The second scripture lesson is found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13. Hear now the word of God to all of us. Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you so much for inviting me, for inviting Eric to share with you in worship this morning. Eric and I will be traveling most of this summer, visiting seven, seven different Sunday worship services and a total of 15 congregations in nine presbyteries. It is a blessing to be able to see God's people gathered in so many unique places and connect with wonderful people in each of those places. I also bring warm greetings from Sedepka in Guatemala, a longtime partner of the PCUSA and a longtime partner of Second Presbyterian here in Richmond. Sedepka is the Protestant Center for Pastoral Studies in Central America. Their staff, now made up of 20 men and women, all Guatemalan except for me, has been working for justice and social change through theological education for nearly 40 years. I work at Sedepka as a facilitator for intercultural encounters, that is, taking groups of people who come to Guatemala either virtually or in person, just like the group that's coming from Second Pres Richmond at the end of next month. And we take them through Guatemala to learn about history and culture, political, social, economic realities in Guatemala, and also to lift up stories of hope. My colleagues at Sedepka were so excited that I was coming here and specifically to Second Pres Richmond to be with all of you because a number of them have been in your presence uh, before. And so they were really excited to send their greetings and uh, warm hugs, abrazos de Guatemala. By supporting Eric and me as mission co-workers, you support Sedepka and their mission of offering education that transforms. So we are grateful. Sedepka is grateful. As I thought about what text to preach on today that might relate to what I've seen God doing in Guatemala, I was drawn to this pair of short parables, the mustard seed and the yeast. A man planted mustard seed in his field, and those seeds grew into large, shade-giving shrubs. A woman worked a little bit of yeast into a large quantity of flour. Three measures equals about 50 pounds. And the whole batch rose. Now, whenever I stumble across these parables as I'm reading scripture, my mind really goes to two things immediately. I kind of have my immediate go-to interpretations. One is growth and growth evangelism in evangelism terms. The church 
being planted like a mustard seed and then growing with uh, people, numbers, filling pews. The second thing my mind goes to is the power of small things, how the small actions that we take make a difference. Recycling, driving an electric car, reading to a child, a grandchild. All of these things make a difference in our world. And these go-to interpretations, I think, have some truth in them. But I also think there's something more in these parables as I read them this time around. Jesus used parables to get people to think differently about life, to question their reality. Parables gave people alternate perspectives to chew on, things that made them uncomfortable, made them really wrestle so that when they went back into their everyday routines, they would live differently. And I think these two parables of the yeast and the mustard seed are no different. There is actually something really odd about these parables that invites us to think about the gospel in a different way. And here's what I mean when I use the word odd. Both the mustard seed and the yeast carried negative connotations for first century people. Mustard seeds would not have been seeds that a farmer would have planted in a field. Mustard seeds or mustard plants covered hillsides in Palestine, and not on purpose. Their little seeds would blow every which way, taking root where they weren't supposed to, growing new plants amidst already established crops. They were like noxious weeds, farmers' arch nemeses, invasive plants to get rid of at any cost, burn them, spray them, pull them out. So to hear Jesus say that the kingdom of heaven is like a farmer sowing a mustard seed in his field doesn't make much sense. You don't plant mustard seeds just like you don't plant dandelion seeds in your yard. Yeast, likewise, was a negative image. It was a symbol of corruption. In speaking, people would refer to others as yeast like we might use the term bad apple. The Apostle Paul told the Corinthians to get rid of all forms of immorality like they would get rid of yeast in a house, alluding to the Passover practice of clearing out the leaven before the meal. Even Jesus said, Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So why would Jesus compare the kingdom of heaven to images like yeast and a mustard seed? Images that were so off-putting to people at the time. One of the projects Sedepka is in the middle of growing and developing right now is actually a pair of projects called Tamar and Jose, or Joseph. Tamar workshops were started for girls in Guatemalan communities where the numbers of births to mothers between the ages of 10 and 14, that's girls between the ages of 10 and 14 getting pregnant. Births that the number of births in these, this particular region of Guatemala were shockingly high. Now, 
when these numbers are so high in an area, it really does make people stand up and take notice. Because when girls between the ages of 10 and 14 are giving birth, it means that something is happening behind closed doors in their families. Sedepka did notice, and they decided to speak out. Sedepka formed what is called the Tamar Project in 2016, teaching young girls their rights, teaching them that they are created in God's image and are worthy of dignity and respect, that they have God-given gifts beyond sweeping and washing dishes and making tortillas and raising babies. They, too, can stand up against violence, the violence that is taking place in their own families. But that's not all. The Jose or Joseph Project was formed in 2020 to offer workshops with the same kind of information for adolescent boys, teaching them that the Bible does not say that they are superior to or have authority over girls. That being a real man means showing love and respect and tenderness, being vulnerable and nonviolent. These workshops have empowered so far over 900 girls to speak out against violence and to stand up for their own education. And the number of boys being reached through this program continues to grow. Now, you can bet that certain people, certain groups, see these workshops as off-putting, as threatening the status quo. If women rise up and get educated, who will take care of the home? Who will serve the men? If men let down their facade of toughness, who will be the protectors of the home? What if men lose respect and credibility? And that's not to mention how uncomfortable it is to talk about violence and rape and women's bodies in religious settings and educational settings. It's uncomfortable here and it's uncomfortable there. The dominant culture sees workshops like Tamar and Jose as mustard seeds in a field where they don't belong, or as yeast working its sinister way through a whole batch of dough. Another project Sedepka takes groups to visit regularly is the Utspan Bakery Apprentice Program in Guatemala City, in which six adolescents, a mix of girls and boys, are learning to bake and run a business together so that they have the incentive and means to stay in Guatemala rather than to migrate north. This project is housed at Jesus S. El Camino Church in Guatemala City, where the pastor is Emerson Morales, who has visited Second Press Richmond before. This church has an after-school program for over 300 children 
And the Utspan Bakery Apprentice Program grew out of that after-school program. And by the way, part of the funding for the program, some of the equipment in the kitchen, was bought through funds from the Self-Development of People program, which you might have contributed to through the One Great Hour of Sharing. Well, you would think that everybody would support a program like this. Family members, community members, politicians, for goodness sake. And for the most part, they do. It's an exciting program when young people are equipped with gifts and skills. But the economic system itself threatens the program's success. One young baker who showed particular promise, who was a part of the apprentice team, had to drop out because his father migrated north. And he, the adolescent, needed to step up and work more to support his mother and his siblings. Where the gospel is lived out, there is going to be resistance. Established systems and powers that be are threatened by the inbreaking of justice and abundant life for all. What if these parables are trying to describe that reality? Jesus himself experienced that truth in his own body. He came to usher in the reign of God, the kingdom of heaven, transforming not just lives, but systems, so that all people may experience deep, abundant life, free from violence, free from fear, free to develop into the people that God created everyone to be. Jesus boldly brought change despite the pushback of religious and civil authorities. When Jesus dared to heal those deemed unworthy, when Jesus encouraged and empowered women, when Jesus lifted up children as models of faith, he planted mustard seeds in established fields. He worked little cakes of yeast through massive amounts of flour. But the system itself resisted Jesus. As John wrote, he came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. Where the gospel is lived out, there will be resistance, but it will continue to spread. It will have an effect because it is the work of the living God. You could say these parables are about Jesus himself, the mustard seed, Jesus himself, the yeast. Ultimately, Jesus was condemned and killed by the system. Leaders thought they could put an end to the change he was bringing by putting an end to his life. But the reign of God had already begun and could not be stopped. Jesus may have been buried like a seed in the ground, like a bit of yeast hidden in a whole batch of flour, but that death was only the beginning. 
It was the beginning of a rising that would continue bringing life and healing and reconciliation through the body of Christ, the church. I love the image in the parable of the mustard seed of what the end result looks like. Birds make nests in the thin branches of the mustard shrub. You all heard the first lesson in Ezekiel, the image of Israel as the mighty cedar where birds of the air would make their nests. Well, Jesus took that image and subverted it. The mustard shrub would be the place where birds would make their nests. Now, what kind of birds make their nests in a mustard shrub with wispy branches? Vulnerable ones, the littlest birds. And that is what the kingdom of heaven looks like. The most marginalized people finding refuge. I also love the image of what happens to the yeast working its way into 50 pounds of flour. 50 pounds, a huge batch. We're talking bread enough to feed a hungry hillside of people who have nowhere else to get bread. That's what the gospel is. It's not about filling pews. It's not about spreading some kind of abstract message of inner peace. When the kingdom of heaven is afoot, vulnerable people find shelter. Hungry people are fed. We are all celebrating abundant life together. We all know that systems still oppress and threaten to undo us all. But we are called and equipped by the spirit of the living God to continue to stand up to those systems that oppress us and our neighbors and our beloved earth. We are most ourselves as church. Not when all the pews are full, but when we are living into and bringing abundant life to all. Shelter, food, dignity, welcome. We are called to plant mustard seeds in places where institutions have decided only certain crops are allowed to grow. Certain crops that'll benefit only a few people. We are called to work a little bit of yeast through pounds and pounds of flour. Keep speaking truth into systems that we cannot imagine changing. And then watch as lives are changed. One life at a time. These parables, the mustard seed, the yeast, are about so much more than church growth and small actions making a big difference. It's not that in doing the will of God, our church buildings will be packed, bursting at the seams, growing like a mustard bush, or like a loaf of bread too big for its pan. 
Because expansion in the economy of salvation is the expansion of abundant life for all despite constant obstacles. It's about Guatemalan girls learning their inherent worth and asking to go to school beyond sixth grade. It's about young people living in one of the most dangerous neighborhoods in Guatemala City, learning to run a business. It's about communities here in the United States coming together to find housing solutions, healthcare solutions, immigration solutions that will benefit the most vulnerable, giving them a nesting place and a resting place. This is God's work. This is what the kingdom of heaven looks like. You are what the kingdom of heaven looks like. And so may we be bold together. May we expect pushback to the gospel, but not be discouraged by it. May we work for change, believing that change is possible even within our lifetime. Because it is Jesus Christ the living God who is going before us. Let us pray. Oh God, we give our lives into your hands. We may feel small, but oh God, you work with us. And what a privilege it is to be called your children to be called the church. Breathe your spirit into us day by day. Help us to see what you see, to notice who you notice, and respond in love and in grace and in gratitude. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.